From reviews to rankings, the big picture is all things movies. From in-depth analysis of the latest flick to sit-down interviews with some of the biggest movie stars and filmmakers on the planet, Sean Fennessy and Amanda Dobbins have got you covered. Check out the big picture on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. David, what's on your mind today? Well, as you can see, and the people listening to this can certainly not see, which makes this a great bit, but I'm in a empty room with empty bookshelves uh, surrounded by boxes. So uh, hopefully that's enough for the listeners to intuit. Uh, I'm in the middle of a massive moving situation. Um, you really paint a picture, by the way. <laughs> Imagine off-white walls and white trim, built-in bookshelves galore. Uh, my mom is moving from North Carolina to New Jersey to be closer to me and my wife and kids. Um, as one does, I'm down here. I'm going to drive drive up with her tomorrow. So that's exciting stuff. And it's very exciting to have her joining the uh, Princeton, New Jersey family. Um, but one of the things that we're doing, and I'm helping out because I'm already located in where she's going, is dealing with all these, you know, canceling utilities, signing up for new utilities, got to figure out what the cable, the Wi-Fi situation, you know, my mother's age, there's... We have to figure out, well, do you need cable? Do you need a landline? Do you need, you know, there's all these very basic things, conversations we have to go through. There's one, one bill or one account that did not need to be closed because it didn't exist and then will not be reopened on the other end. And it kind of surprised me. I'm guessing you could guess because this podcast is what it is, but I found out today as I rolled in and was going down the checklist that my mom is not an active subscriber to the Charlotte Observer or any newspaper down here and will not be subscribing to a newspaper in Princeton when she gets there because it's, it's uh, there, well, I asked her about it. She, she said it just got too expensive at some point and she gets all the news she needs from her phone and from MSNBC or, you know, whatever she's watching. And um, it's, it, it raises an interesting well, I mean, obviously, this is she's a she's, you know, one of the people I think that she she's a prime audience for someone that the newspapers should be clawing onto, you know, <laughs> with everything they have left. You would assume that she would still be a be. I assumed that she was still subscribing, um, 
But it does raise a sort of interesting thing that we just sort of gloss over a lot in these conversations, which is just sort of like for the generation above us or all the generations older than us, there's just sort of like a maximum capacity issue, right? Where if you're, if you, it's not just choosing to get things on your phone and choosing the different sources and websites and stuff that you read. It's just for a lot of people, you know, they had 25 minutes dedicated to news every day. And if they get that, in various other ways, then there's really maybe just not the need for the traditional newspaper life. What do you think? Well, I've got two reactions to this. One, newspapers lost half of America, and now they've lost Cherry Shoemaker. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> just, just one more bullet in the you know quivering corpse of newspaperdom. I, I think your point's exactly right. And my mom doesn't get a newspaper either. And my mom sends me lots of like Yahoo links and well, Daily go. Beast links and things like that. My mom just kind of is, and our parents are both people who are very with it and very interested in the news and certainly been interested in the news over the last couple of years, especially. And they're getting it in different ways. And my mom doesn't have cable either. So mm -hmm. I guess that brings me to my second point, which is really funny, is that you and I, as middle-aged guys, but younger than our parents, have kind of doubled down on print. Yeah, so that's a funny dynamic. Are our we like the are we like the vinyl collectors of our gener of, of this generation? Is that what they were we just like really serious about print because there's a certain like retro hipness about it? Yes. It's like when someone our age has a child and names it Maud. <laughs> right. You're being even more vintage than your parents. Newspapers are mod. Okay, that's great. Or something like that, right? Or, you know, just a very old-fashioned kind of thing. You're you're not only trying to relive your parents' generation, you're kind of trying to relive your grandparents' generation. Well, you know, sometimes I like to go out and have a cocktail that actually has, like, egg whites in it instead yeah. of just triple sec or whatever, you know? like it's One right highball, please. Yeah, yeah. that sounds, sounds delicious right now. So it's funny, though, to me, because I always think of, we always think of, when we talk about the show, we think about media that was in the golden age of newspapers or television news. And it's so interesting to me that the people who grew up right smack dab in that age are like, eh, better now. I don't yeah. need this stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. I will say, though, that for years, my mom's best friend was her neighbor, and her neighbor moved out within the past year. But they had a tradition where every what Saturday Sunday morning they would bring the weekend edition of the Wall Street Journal or neighbor would bring it would read it and then bring it to my mom where so she was a sort of like she was like the per she had like the the her like you know the the wsj.com login from her friend or whatever she was she was the she was like the Netflix piggybacker of the of the you know the print generation so anyway she read you know she contributed to a, a, a Wall Street Journal weekend subscription which i guess is more than most of us can say yeah, used to borrow a cup of sugar. Now somebody brings Jason Gay's column over for yeah. you. Very <laughs> nice. Could be better. Coming up on today's show, David and I will talk about the art of going on background. Plus, people's sexiest man alive is still alive. Adam Schefter is in the news again. And we introduce a brand new bit or attempted bit. All that and more on the press box, a part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Hello, media consumers, Brian Curtis and David Shoemaker here, along with producer Bobby Wagner sitting in for Erica. David, I want to talk to you about going on background. Wow. Okay, let's do it. We will define it if for the non-journalists in the audience, going on background is the website The Verge notes 
means that when somebody tells you something, you can use the material, but you can't source it to a particular person. Mm -hmm. Off the record means you can't use the material at all. On backgrounds means you can use the material, but you can't say exactly who gave you the material. Well, the aforementioned Verge has updated its policies about these things. Nile Patel writes, why did the Verge do that, David? Quoting Patel here, we're doing this because big tech companies in particular have hired a dizzying array of communication staff who routinely push the boundaries of acceptable sourcing in an effort to deflect accountability, pass the burden of truth to the media, and generally control the narratives around the companies they work for while being annoying as hell to deal with. <laughs> kind of a cry for help that doubles as a new policy. I think you and I had both probably separately heard aspects of this bubbling up over the years, right? It's, it's you know, far be it for me to diagnose it, but it did sort of seem like a new generation of, of companies, monolithic companies in some cases, that were in a, that, that sort of came into existence without a beat pre-existing them. Does that make sense? Like that, like there was sure. not like reporters, like the, the companies came first and then the, then the old school, the blo it started up, it came up through blogs and stuff. And then the, the traditional newspapers and stuff kind of had to cultivate your tech desk or, or even, you know, gaming department, whatever, in, in different instances. Um, and I don't know if that helped these companies sort of get out ahead of, you know, journalism and be and sort of set their own ground rules. But some there was some some combination of the emergence of this new field and the 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 power that this that you know that these companies had almost overnight has kind of created this world where where, where the journalists covering them kind of have to be part of the machine or get left out in the cold. Does that is that am I saying that correctly? Yeah. And, and I just, it's kind of a, you kind of said this, but sort of just to highlight it, like companies that are used to quote breaking shit. Mm -hmm. What if we break all the rules of journalism too? Yeah. What if we don't, you know, not like, you know, corporations have, you know, played by played by the rules always over the years, but why don't we be even worse about playing by the rules or create mm -hmm. new rules because we're used to creating new stuff. I mean, yeah. the examples from this verge article, and I'm going to read you a few of these are kind of the highlight here because it's just an amazing window of what tech reporters in particular, but I think all reporters kind of have to deal with now mm -hmm. as companies seek to throw this on background net over everything. Let me read you a few of these uh, just to make you laugh. Here's one again, quoting from Patel's article, more than one big company insists on holding product briefings on background with no attribution which means no one can properly report what company executives say about their own new products during marketing <laughs> events. <laughs> so you've come out with a new product. The executive is giving a briefing about the product, but that must be on background <laughs> because we do not want you to attribute that to the executive whose company just brought out the product. <laughs> Here's another great one. A big tech company PR person emailed us a link to the company's own website on background. 
What part of that was on background? The email or the contents of the website? Like, was it like a backdoor page? I have no idea. I don't think either of them is particularly less ridiculous. I had a question about the company. You emailed me the relevant section of the website so I could answer it, but that is on background. The act of emailing, or as you say, perhaps the entire website is on background. This is a great one. A food delivery company insisted on discussing the popularity of chicken wings on background. <laughs> That's a sensitive subject. The popularity of chicken wings versus pizza, apparently. This, is a, this, this one really spoke to me. Multiple big tech companies insist on having PR staffers quoted as sources familiar with the situation, quote unquote, <laughs> even though they are paid spokespeople for the most powerful companies in the world. And that really gets to the nub of it here, because it's not just about observing some rule that's in a book or something like that. It's about not deceiving readers when you print a story. And if I printed a story and said, sources familiar with the situation, you might think, okay, these are executives. These are people involved in the deal, some outside observer who's making calls and talking to the people. You would not think it's the people who are spinning the readers or attempting to spin the readers. <laughs> They're certainly no. familiar with the situation, but they're putting down a particular viewpoint. Right. I mean, it's using these sort of weasel words to portray themselves as the opposite of who they are. Right. Absolutely. Or just, or just, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, all anonymous copy. There's a lot of head nodding, as you know, there's mm -hmm. sometimes there's some winking to the person. This is like a reverse wink. This is a wink that completely misleads the person who's trying to read the story. And that is really weird. Here's another one, David. A big tech company refused to detail a controversial new privacy policy on the record, allowing it to amend details about it in repeated background follow-up briefings for over a week. Let me give you an example of what this is like. You ask me, Brian, what, what food are you cooking for your family for dinner here on Monday night? And I right. say, David, I, I'm going to have to go on background. I am, I am going to, uh, on background, tell you that I am going to uh, cook beef bourguignon tonight. And then I call you back an hour later and said, actually, I'm going to take the whole family to a restaurant because I don't have any of the ingredients or knowledge of how to do that. Then I call you back an hour later and say, by the way, that restaurant is closed. Now we're putting Totino's pizza in the oven. <laughs> and the idea here is that I don't have any idea how to cook my family dinner tonight. But by putting it on background, I have completely obscured that fact. For you, because there's nothing, there's nothing on the record. There's nothing attributable to Brian Curtis doesn't have a clue to what he's doing. <laughs> and, I, and it seems like reading these examples, there's these new policies coming out, privacy policies, whatever it is, and they don't have a good answer. So there's like five answers on background and they're never quite, at least publicly held accountable. Right. Because nobody ever says it and puts their name on it. And it and it feels like, you know, in the with the abundance of these. I mean, talking about how this is just the status quo for it, it's 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 not like just that nobody puts their name on it, which is a problem in and of itself. But if the if the industry standard is this sort of like just forced ambiguity, right? That and that that, that frankly, you know, like we said, mischaracterizes the you know the source and and much of what's being said, then nothing makes any sense, right? I mean, there's not, if the default is 
is on background, right? No one's even having to make the conscious effort of like what's how, how we want to put these things out there. It's like the status quo is just absolute obfuscation. So it's it's not even good for the companies, you would think, for the most part, you know? But, I mean, it, at least not in every instance. It's just, it, but you would understand why you would do that as, de, as a default, as a default stance, right? I mean, you, there's a, I, I would say that, you know, for a lot of PR people, you keep, you want to keep your head down as much as possible, right? I mean, the, no one's going to pat you on the back for do for putting out a good press release, but they'll certainly fire you if you put out a bad one, you know? <laughs> and, and it's a, you know, the, if this is acceptable, I mean, if this is accepted by the higher ups, yeah, you want to keep your head down. You want to stay back as much as possible. You do, but but it's the the but the the point should be getting information out, right? I mean, that's what like public relations is managing the flow You'd of think. information, getting information out there, and what and what they end up doing is making it so no real information ever sees the light of day. Well, to your point about it not making sense, I think the PR people, if there's a controversial story or potentially negative story. And the, the reader reads it and be like, I don't understand this because this is not in English. Yeah. This is not in a language I understand. I think they take that as a win. Sure. And that's why it's incumbent upon reporters to be like, I can't print this. This doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. You know, blankety blank happened according to sources close to the situation who are in fact managing the image of the company. I just can't use that. It doesn't work. That's not, that's not. That's just junk that I'm putting into my copy. And that, mm-hmm. that's to me is the whole thing here. It's being protective of your of your own work. Whether it's, you know, whenever as I hear a, pe- as a journalist. Yes. And whenever I hear those, you know, where they say so and so is appearing on behalf of blank, you know, like mm-hmm. the vitamin water or whatever it is, whether that's on a radio show or in a piece, heaven forbid. I'm always mm-hmm. like, look at the junk you just put in your work. Yeah. And I would say the same thing here. Sources close to the situation. It's just like, especially when it's those sources close to the situation. It's like, you're just junking it up. I want to give mm-hmm. you a couple more. We're, we're going through the looking class here. I hope you're ready. I hope you Let's I hope go. you are locked in. A major car company's head of communications told us an April Fool's joke was actually real on background. The joke was not real. <laughs> now, I don't even understand what that means. <laughs> but what an absolutely mind-bending experience that must have been. <laughs> Here's another one. A big tech company sent us a statement on the record, on the record, David, with the caveat that it could not be attributed to a specific individual. So it's on the <laughs> record, but it is actually on background. <laughs> what? If you say it's on the record but can't be attributed, that's actually not on the record. That's What is the point? Of, is that just... Do they even know what they're asking for? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. And I will say there's a lot of slipperiness with these terms. Yeah. A lot of people think off the record actually means on background and vice mm-hmm. versa. And The Verge, you know, again, this is part of them clarifying their own policies for their own reporters and for the people they deal with. And one of the things here says, our reporters will always carefully explain our sourcing practices to you and strive to protect your confidentiality when appropriate. That's a big thing here, right? Yeah. Just tell us, tell the person you're talking, now, what exactly is this? I would also just add, also just tell the readers more about how this happened. Because mm-hmm. do readers understand the difference between these things? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's an aspect to this that they get at in this Verge statement 
um, where it seems like some of these companies are actually exploiting um, the fears, fears, sources, fears about confidentiality to their own ends in this, right? I mean, there was one, there was one point where there was a, the Verge was reporting based on, you know, some, some, uh, sources that they were keeping confidential and the company in question said, well, we're not, we're not going to go on the record. That wouldn't be fair. It's not an even playing field, right? You're protecting their identities. Why can't you protect ours? And there certainly is a, an aspect I'm sure where they're just like, where if they, if this, if this, if the companies can make this into an issue, then that definitely puts some fear in the heart of anybody that would be any would be whistleblower or, or even just someone who was willing to give some information that they thought was, you know, significant or pertinent. They also have a good uh, point in here where they talk about how on background or any of these things is an actually an agreement. This is from the, from the verge article, an agreement between you and the reporters or editors you speak to at the verge. So this isn't one of those things where, you know, David, I give you an interview and I say, okay, um, this part was off the record. This part is on background. This no, 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 no. You have to agree to this. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to say like, is it okay if I go off the record here, if I say this on background and you have to say yes? Yeah. <laughs> that that's this is not this is not like the company dictates the terms here and there. And the reporter can be like, no, I don't, I don't agree to go on background because there's nothing here that should be on background. Mm -hmm. That's ridiculous. And they they mentioned this new practice, which we've seen all the time, of people will email you something and put on background or or embargoed in the subject line. Yep. And then send it to your email. And you're like, <laughs> I I didn't ask for this. And this is <laughs> yeah, I am I am absolutely free to divulge the contents of this email. Yeah, I'm not bound by any just because you say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. The subject line is not you don't get the, you don't get to call you don't get to call like first dibs on the uh disclosure practices of whatever the communication is. I've been getting one lately from uh from uh, PR people sometimes, and it's like it's something I don't want to do, but they say we would like to give this to you exclusively. <laughs> and I always kind of, it kind of catches me a little short because I'm like, it's so weird. Here's something I absolutely don't want to do, but they think they, they want me to be the only person in the world to do it. <laughs> Speaking of mind bending. Like, and he say no to that. Yeah. Like, I don't want to jump off the roof of my house, but what if I could be the only person in the neighborhood who jumped off the roof of my house? <laughs> that's essentially what it is. Uh, David, this whole conversation is on background, right? Retroactively. Please do not share this on the ringer podcast network. Let's do the overworked Twitter joke of the week where we celebrate a gag that was so obvious that all of media Twitter made it at exactly the same time. Send your nominees, David, to at the press box pod where they are always gratefully received. Uh, we got a headline from raw story about the trial of Theranos's Elizabeth Holmes. Are you ready? Okay. Elizabeth Holmes allegedly duped Betsy DeVos's family out of $100 million. $100 billion. It was an overworked Twitter joke to write, Elizabeth Holmes, welcome to the resistance. <laughs> Thanks to Mitchell Tyler for that. An article from CBS News, David. Why nightmares might be a good thing. <laughs> it's an overworked Twitter joke to write, did Freddy Krueger write this? <laughs> Thanks to Drew's AF and Jake Christie. I was going to do this since you're in Charlotte today. Cam Newton came back to the Panthers. Mm -hmm. We had a whole wave of people doing first look at Cam Newton in a Panthers uniform and then just posting a picture from a couple of seasons ago. <laughs> it's all previous. 
career it's as a Panthers. Stuff. Great Thanks stuff. to everyone. And this week's runaway winner, David, Johnson & Johnson will break itself into two separate companies. <laughs> oh, no. There's an overworked Twitter joke to write. The two companies will be called Johnson <laughs> and Johnson. Great stuff. Thanks to Mace, Joe Marin, Incompetent User, Austin Alter, and Justin O. If you made the most obvious joke possible, congrats. You made the overworked Twitter joke of the week. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. In the notebook dump, David, I would like to spend several minutes on people's sexiest man alive. Oh, God, let's do it. This feature is still a thing. A new sexiest man alive was named last week. He is Paul Rudd, who had the tongue-in-cheek response you might expect. Also enjoyed Steve Martin's response on Twitter. Trust me, it's a burden. <laughs> Pretty good. Um, a couple of responses to people's sexiest man alive. I love the word alive. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Sean Connery, previous winner of the People's uh-huh. Sexiest Man Alive, was not eligible to win this year <laughs> because he is not alive. Don't you just love that that was included? <laughs> People's well, Sexiest Man Alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it's just the sort of, you know, it makes it seem like a bigger deal, right? It's a little bit more exclamatory. It's sexiest man alive. You can see it's <laughs> up in lights. But it does feel like this is sort of the problem with it with something like this. It's sort of a little bit flip becoming an in such an institution, right? Yeah. It's like it's like um I can't even think of what like the blog iteration of this would have been in our in, in our in, in you know when we were coming up, but it's like it's like if 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 like the president handed out some sort of like hipster runoff award every year or something, you know. I mean, it's it's just it, it was never it should not be taken this seriously, and it's really easy to make fun of because for some reason it's just been around so long that we all just have to take this seriously. Yeah, and the whole idea that some there was this giant meeting at people. And that, you know, somebody gets like the Hall of Fame inductions in the NFL where somebody got to stand up and make the case. <laughs> yes. For various people being the sexiest well, it's man like, alive. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like your old joke about, you know, whenever they would have like the like Michael Johnson was running in the Olympics and they would say fastest man alive. You'd be like, I don't recall ever being eliminated from this competition, <laughs> but <laughs> but OK. <Excuse> me. You <laughs> know? <laughs> Do I get to compete? Also, yeah. since we're pendants here, I would like you to know that it used to be the sexiest man alive. So Wait, and, and they got rid of the the? Yeah, like Harrison Ford, Richard Gere, Brad Pitt, Pierce Brosnan. Whoa. <laughs> 2001. It was the sexiest man alive. And then 2002 for Ben Affleck, we went to sexiest man alive. Now, does the lineage of the title belt continue back or did they, <laughs> was it officially in? <laughs> it's like the NWA title. Yeah. There was also one sexiest couple alive, Richard Gere and Cindy Crawford. Sure. It's also fun to look back when they just kind of wanted to throw a boomerang at you, you know, <laughs> sometimes like Sean Connery, 1989, uh, Richard Gere won it twice within a couple of years, <laughs> right? They wanted a repeat winner. I love this. The other part about this, David, that struck me is just about everything we know about magazines is broken. Yeah. You know, what's not broken any ridiculous award that will get your editor on a network morning show to announce it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So time person of the year, people's sexiest man alive sports illustrated sportsman or sports person of the year. You can absolutely make that work still. Oh yeah. No, you, you totally can. You totally can. I mean, you were, it's now it's, it's just an institution. Like I said, I mean, of course you have to go to whatever morning show. You probably just like accept bids from the, from all the various morning shows to go on there and, and, and let them be the first, let we them have the exclusive on, on background of who the sexiest. <laughs> oh, there's absolutely an on background conversation there. No, it's off the record, right? We want <laughs> yeah. you to have the graphic ready of mm-hmm. Paul Rudd, perhaps even invite Paul Rudd to come <laughs> on the show with us, but we, we don't, you can't tell anybody. Our, our, our editor in chief will appear in the nine o'clock hour, but he'll only be there on background. <laughs> I also thought if we created a press box journalism award, spent 15 seconds on it, like deciding it like this year, like, ah, we're going to give it to, and just pick somebody randomly who worked for the New York times. Mm-hmm. How quickly would that award wind up in that writer's author bio? Well, I think it depends on how well we named it for one thing. 
Um, press box but, journalist of the year. Do you need, do we need to trick it out any more than that? Um, press box journal. I think press box journalist of the year would be there almost immediately. Was named the 2021 press box journalist of the year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Even that's though it's just clearly a, a bit. Yeah. We have a well-named podcast. I think, I think that would actually really, I think that I think people would actually take that seriously. Somebody's looking at the bookstore and is like, I'm not too sure. Oh, press box journalist of the year, 2021. <laughs> <laughs> fork over that $32 now. Oh, that's great. We needed a new bit, David, because we retired the only in journalism words bit. Oh, yeah. And thanks to all readers, by the way, who keep sending these in, hoping the bit comes back. The bit is dead. The bit is absolutely <laughs> dead. But there is a new bit that is alive, David. It's from, <laughs> okay. It's from Mitch Carr, the news anchor down in the great state of Arizona. Do you remember Mitch Carr? Because was, I believe he snuck a press box catchphrase onto the news oh, yeah. down there in Arizona. <laughs> of course. He proposes a new gag for us, which is what is on steroids this week? <laughs> <laughs> and Not literally the, on steroids. No, no, no. We can, we can call this media piss test. Oh, I love it. What is on steroids this week? And he sent some examples. Gentrification on steroids. <laughs> liberalism on steroids taylor swift has made a music video on steroids (laughs) at the press box spot it's like baseball in 1998 in the media (laughs) so this is our new thing we're gonna do the the piss test every week all right yeah all right the bit is dead long live the bit let's go yeah and you know you and i always we're, we're a little queasy about getting too much into pds or anything like that that feels like a very old thing it is absolutely okay, apparently, in journalism, though, to say that everything else is on steroids. Oh, yeah. Steroids. You don't even have to change it to PEDs. Remember when all of sports writing said, well, you know, it's not technically steroids. It might be another performance-enhancing drug. So you better <laughs> put PEDs to be safe. No, no. We're still on steroids. Media piss test. New bit here Love on the press box. Uh, David Adam Schefter is in the news again. Ooh. Has he made any news this year? Oh, he has. I'm going to read to you from an article in the New York Post by Ryan Glasspiegel. Adam Schefter and ESPN are in the crosshairs over Schefter's Tuesday report that Dalvin Cook and his ex-girlfriend, Sergeant First Class Graceland Trimble, are accusing each other of domestic violence. Adam Schefter's first tweet about the news was to relay Cook's allegations via his agent that he had been the victim of domestic violence and extortion. About two and a half hours after his initial report, Schefter shared an ESPN story that detailed Trimble's allegations. Trimble's attorney, Daniel Craig, ripped ESPN for the sequence of reporting. ESPN's journalistic malpractice yesterday sends a painfully clear message to billions of girls and women around the world that they should be afraid to come forward because media companies like ESPN are more interested in protecting the powerful celebrities that make them money rather than engaging in honest reporting and competent journalism, Craig said in a statement to USA Today. What were we saying about insiders again? I mean, man, I have so many ways I can go with this. Uh, We did talk, last time we were together, we talked about Schefter's last tweet, or last tweet kerfluffle, right? Yeah, a couple shows ago, I think. Um, I mean, I guess, you know, the people that have made their names, made their riches on twitter or mere or mortals too right so it it shouldn't be just like you know it's it's not just news in and of itself that someone's who does everything on twitter makes 
a huge mistake like this on Twitter. But I guess that is to some extent notable. I mean, in some and and I guess it, it I mean, in a real just straightforward way, power dynamics and all that aside for one second just shows the real limitations of this, right? I mean, if you are a I mean, I guess you can't put power power aside, but if you are a information broker where speed and exclusivity are more important than ever anything else, then you can see how one could be manipulated fairly uh, I don't know if it was easily, but you can see how one could be manipulated, right? How a reporter could be manipulated by offering them exclusivity and and them rushing wanting to be the first out there, right? Um but this just seems like, you know, just uh, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. You try to put yourselves in the shoes of people who work in your or in your line of work, and you know, because we all make mistakes, or whatever. I can't imagine getting something this wrong. I. It's just. It's not. It's not a mistake. I mean, it's it's a, it might have been, but it's this. You can't categorize this one. This is a, just categorical error of of journalistic ethics but of like human ethics you know i mean this is you it how you could have how you could be alive in 2021 and make and just whiff i mean the best possible reading is that you just like didn't think about what the possible other side of the story was how could you do that you know it's i i don't i don't understand man i completely agree and and um I, 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 you're right. It's beyond journalistic error. You're right. It's just, it's the error of, of humanity. I, I feel like one of the things that happens with insiderdom is everything gets flattened into a nugget. Yeah. All news becomes a nugget. Guy hurt his hamstring is a nugget. Guy getting traded to the Packers is a nugget. And then somehow a story like this, a horrible story that's very complicated and very, you know, requires a lot of thinking and reporting and phone calls, it becomes a nugget. And you're like, that's, it's treated like a nugget, right? And you're like, mm -hmm. that's not a nugget. Yeah. This is not something to rush to Twitter to, to, you know, to get everybody's attention in NFL world. Mm -hmm. I just don't. Yeah. I, I don't. Um, well, was, and that, I mean, and that, and that makes it like, it, it's clear that that's what was going on here. And that makes it even more damnable, right? I mean, that it that you would that before it got to the point of the of the tweet, before bef before the just horrific error was made, before any of that, it had already been reduced to a nugget, right? It had, like it like the like either at its conception or. At, at some point along the way, it had already been determined that it fits the parameters of a nugget tweet. And what we saw was the byproduct of that. And that's what makes it just so unsettling. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of bits, David, I got um, another one I want to run by. You know how we've been doing the headline rule of three on this podcast? Oh, yeah, of course. I feel like almost every athletic feature is... Blank, blank, and blank. The story of blank. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, a napkin. I'm just looking at my desk right now. A uh, box of Altoids and a cell phone. How <laughs> Bill Belichick's Patriots saved their season. 
<laughs> like that's everything. It came yeah. to us originally from the sports writer Adam Zalanka. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we had a note that Jonathan Liu, great sports writer for The Guardian, had referenced his own version of the headline rule of three. He called it the tyranny of the X, Y, and Z feature. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And here's his eating meals together, daytime naps, and murder ball. Bikram yoga, Flaubert, and reruns of Columbo. <laughs> Googling himself at 4 a.m., weeping, dressing room laments on the savagery of man, playing Matt Ritchie at fullback, where it all went wrong for Steve Bruce at Newcastle. And Lou writes, this stuff is everywhere, and it's reduction of coaching to simple, catchy tropes. It encourages us to see the manager in the same way we view a household cleaning product, a mix of miracle compounds that either works or doesn't. <laughs> bits not dead. Please submit your headline rules of three. And speaking of bits, it's time for David Shoemaker guesses the strain pun headline. Yeah. Last Monday's headline about Buffalo picking between two very different Democrats for mayor was Buffalo picks its favorite wing. <laughs> Today's headline, David, comes from the Detroit Free Press. Okay. It was sent to us by our friend Pickleball Hero. I don't know if you followed by uh, either watching or proxy the absolutely dreadful football game yesterday between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Detroit Lions. By proxy, yes. Detroit Lions have not won a game. The game went into overtime. Everyone got excited. And then it ended in a 16-16 tie. <laughs> driving rainstorm it was i watched about 20 minutes of it's 20 minutes of it on uh, sunday ticket and it was it was something else it was good twitter content all right so what i'm looking for here is a pun that begins with tide tide what was the detroit free press's strain pun headline tide crimson tide 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 uh rising tide uh Wrong kind of tide. Um, tide all tied up. Tide. Where um, begins? Tide is the first word of the tide. Tide. What are things tied in? Tied up in knots. Tied up in. Mm. Tied in. Maybe tied up maybe, in aughts. Maybe tied. a different spell. Maybe a different spelling. Tied, perhaps. Tied in. <laughs> Not K N O T S, but N O T S. Tied in. Tied in knots. Oh my gosh. Tied Great. in knots. He is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. I wish you could see the look on David's face right now, folks. Production Magic by Bobby Wagner. Uh, coming this Friday, David, another movie-themed Friday press box. Yes. A couple weeks ago, Fennessy and I did a podcast about Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. We've been trying to get one of the actors from that movie onto the pod, and we did. He is Jeffrey Wright. Wow. Also, Fort Green, um, Fort Green legend Jeffrey Wright. <laughs> Fort Green legend Jeffrey Wright. We didn't talk about Fort Green. I should have asked. See this. I should have asked him about Fort Green. We did get into the movie, working with Wes Anderson, being very online, as Jeffrey Wright is on Twitter, and also playing Colin Powell, uh, which he was very interesting talking about. Then Shoemaker and I back Monday with more lukewarm takes about the media. See you then, David. See you later, Brian. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. 
My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. 